I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson and uh, very pleased to be joined now by. We affectionately call him the King of News guy. He is Doug Wilkes, the editor of the Deseret News. And uh, Doug, thanks for joining us. And uh, you know, last night uh, a very poignant uh, memorial uh, done, a moment of silence there with uh, Mayor uh, Aaron Mendenhall. Man, that's a mouthful to say. The, the M's and the E's are in the wrong place. <laughs> Mayor Aaron Mendenhall uh, at the uh, City Building last night, uh, honoring those who'd passed away from uh, from COVID nineteen in the course of the pandemic. And I invited you to come on today because you've, from inside the newsroom, you have you have watched this, you have covered this, you'd made really hard decisions about what to cover, what to not cover uh, over the course of this past year. And I wanted to get a little bit of a retrospective there in terms of where we've been, what we've learned, and most importantly, what comes next. Uh, so let's start kind of high level. Uh, what are some of the things uh, over the course of this year from inside the newsroom? What are some of the things that you've had to wrestle with? Uh, what are some of the, the moments that stood out for you? Well, one thing, this is a unique uh, a unique uh, news story from a coverage standpoint. It's global. It's a pandemic, so you have that international focus. You have the national, and, of course, we had the politics involved with it during the Trump administration and now during the transition with uh, President Biden. But um, And then you had the state, re- state response. But ultimately, this is a very, very personal um, news story, and each individual has a unique way of dealing with the uh, the virus. Um, you know, I'm glad you mentioned um, uh, Mayor Mendenhall in the the vigil last night. December 10th, we passed 1,000 deaths, mm-hmm. and we will pass 2,000 this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the news has been good about the vaccine. The news has been good about um, cases going down, but. You know, you're worried about you getting it, your children getting it. Yeah. You're worried about some of those effects. Yeah, it really does become a very individual thing very fast. It's easy to talk about it in terms of global scale and national scale. Uh, as you looked at the coverage of that, uh, I think there's always two interesting competing things in this kind of story. You, you have the, the kind of the hyper-partisan component to it. Uh, again, both extremes. You have a lot of loud, angry voices uh, to deal with there. So you got to figure out how you cover that. Uh, and then you also have this idea of this is a long-term story with important information, and how do you keep it relevant and interesting so that it doesn't just become white noise or background noise uh, to to the readers? You do look at the arc of coverage. For example, um, Dr. Angela Dunn has been um, so stalwart in working through this, and you know we wrote about her during the past week where she talked about the initial uh, stages and how optimistic she was. And there was this great push in Utah to listen to the science and the health experts. Then there was kind of a push on the other side from uh, politicians. 
um, and wanting to keep, you know, legitimately wanting to keep yeah. the economy going. But then she felt that her voice wasn't as heard and even thinking about quitting. But then you get into the summer, you get into the fall. And if you just look at her and her, mm. what she went through, you kind of see the, how the pandemic played out in Utah. The other things we did, um, you know, we did 50 stories um, by one uh, writer, Ethan Bauer, who who looked at every different person and how it impacted them, you know, from a clown uh, who's not going to children parties anymore yeah. to healthcare workers back in New York. Um, we wrote about long haulers who are still struggling for it. So I can take every person. I could take Boyd Matheson and say, this was your year. Yeah. And so we look at these stories as how did it impact each of the individuals or each of the um, government entities? Yeah, so so important. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna go to that individual story because it is whether it's uh, doctors and nurses and healthcare providers, whether it's the politicians, whether it's the aging population, whether it's the vulnerable population with underlying health conditions, uh, everyone does have that story. And you've had a unique story and a unique arc uh, yourself over the course of the last year, uh, including getting COVID nineteen and being vaccinated for COVID. 19. Give us a little bit of your journey uh, outside the newsroom. So um, obviously we've been uh, trying to be very uh, protective of our family, uh, wearing masks, social distancing, um, not going out. And we did very well with it. Um, But this can hit you whenever. In January, uh, my wife and I did get COVID-19. I have a pre-existing condition, so we were nervous about that. And for the first four or five days, there was fever and everything was okay. And then, yeah, then I kind of got whacked with it for four or five days. But the good news for me is my breathing was always good. I have friends who at the same time got it and and had very difficult times. And we've had friends who have passed away. So I'm grateful that we went through it okay. Uh, the most stressful thing of it and um, was my mother was extremely worried. Yeah. Um, my, and uh, she might be listening today, so hi, Mom. <laughs> but, um, but that was difficult. There's an emotional yeah. toll oh, there. Yeah. We talk about the emotional toll of not being able to visit into a nursing home. But, you know, the elderly get sick and all the children worry. The children get sick and all the elderly worry. Yeah. And so there needs to be this this caring for each other. And I hope that the story moving from today on mm is about how we're coming together and caring. Yeah, that uh, that interconnection. And uh, I loved uh, Derek Miller's piece in the Desert News this week uh, talking about how he hates wearing a mask. Uh, and and uh, I love the way he framed it. He said, I won't, I won't wear my mask one second longer than I have to, and I won't take it off one second before I actually can, uh, and it's safe. I thought that was a great, uh, great community perspective in terms of we want to balance the economy and individuals and, and loneliness and depression and all of those things. Uh, we all got to come together around it. Yeah, but the mask thing is interesting, too, because the flu, the numbers for flu are way, way, way yeah. down. The numbers for RSV and children. So wearing a mask has, has protected from from much else. So we do need yeah. to talk about, well, when is it right to, to not go out or when is yeah. it right to wear a mask? Um, you mentioned vaccination. I was vaccinated. I had the first vaccination this morning. Um, out at the South Jordan Megaplex. The thing that was striking is there was only a handful of us there. There were people waiting. There were no lines. They were waiting for people to sign up. So there are spots available if you're in one of those categories. You know, it'll be open to the general public soon enough. But 
take advantage of it. Don't wait. Let's do this and, and not get complacent. Yeah, and that complacency is such a, a critical thing. And I think from a news standpoint, that does become part of that challenge where you do have important information that does impact the community, impacts the individual members of the community, uh, that this is not the time to spike the ball. <laughs> this is not the time to let our guard down. Uh, this is the time to, to lean in and, and make sure we're really maximizing. And that's why, again, circling back to last night, um, this there's been a cost to this, and people are mourning. And we want to remember the people mourning even as we celebrate the personal victories. Yeah, fantastic. Great insight as always. Doug Wilkes, editor of the Deseret News, king of news guy, we call him. Yeah. Uh, great perspective, uh, great insight as always. Thanks for joining us today. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. Last commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the power of story. How it connects us, how it binds us, how it can move us forward. Coming up next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 